0: Hi, everybody, Mike Wardrock from Encounter Church here. And thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. Our prayer is that through this podcast, you could have an encounter with Jesus that will change your life. And now get ready for another inspiring message from our teaching team. A name is a powerful thing. Uh, You you come out and you go, oh, I'm here with someone that you know is gonna get you someplace you wouldn't get into by yourself. That's the power of a cheeky name drop. Um, Some names open doors, others close them. You go some places, you use the name Donald Trump, you'll be welcomed as a brother in arms, and in other places, perhaps less so. Uh, Right now, you go to some places, you say Morrison, you say Albanese, you'll get different reactions. But kids perfect name drops. They begin with it, they go to the schoolyard and they start fighting with their mate, and at the end of the argument, as the hammer, they go, yeah, well, my dad says, and that's like the finisher of the argument, unless you're my child, in which the finisher of the argument is to come home and tell your dad that your mate on the schoolyard said, and that's like your eight-year-old mate in school is the final word on the situation, (laughs) which goes down really well at home. Uh, I've, I've done it before i've literally used my dad to name drop i uh he was a teacher at a high school and it so happened that quite a well-known preacher who lives in america went to that high school and when i wanted to have a zoom call with that teacher with that uh preacher rather i name dropped my dad i said hey you might uh, you know it doesn't matter but we're from the same city in fact my dad taught you in high school now as it turns out he didn't remember my dad at all apparently he doesn't have the cultural cachet he once did sorry ian if you're listening uh But I tried it nonetheless. I've got a mate who works for the AFL. If I drop her name, doors will open that otherwise would close. This is the power of a well-dropped name. The right names open doors that otherwise wouldn't open. They carry authority. They carry power. They can take you places you've never been before. And on the fourth birthday of a church-named encounter, meeting in a church named Enfield, let me tell you something. There's only one name we're interested in, and that's Jesus. Jesus. We are only interested in the name of Jesus because it's the name of Jesus, not the name of Encounter or Enfield or any other church that will take you where you need to go. The name of a church will not open the doors for you that you need, only the name of Jesus will. So I want to dig deep into this scripture today and talk about celebrating the name of Jesus because... This text has been living in my head for a while now. I don't know if you've ever had something just live sort of rent-free in your head for a while. It's good when it's a scripture. Like my dentist is currently living rent-free in my head. She gave me some toothpaste. She said, this is medical grade toothpaste. Use them. It's like, oh, okay. It says, keep out of reach of children on it. I don't know if you've ever seen toothpaste like that. For all I know, it might not be toothpaste, but she is living in my head right now. And these scriptures are likewise living in my head because there is something critical in them about what Jesus is asking us to do with our lives, amen? Amen. Now here's why this passage is so critical. Because in this passage, we see what happens when Jesus sends his disciples out. It's one thing when Jesus goes out and does something. The Son of God, okay, we can can stretch that far. It's another thing when his followers go out and do the same thing things and there is something in that where we can grasp and go what is in Christ and in his disciples is also in me the same power the same authority is in the same name and I have that in me so I want to break this down into its core functions the who the what the how and the why of Jesus sending out his disciples is that good yes. good good man you guys are popping tonight I love this all right Before this chapter starts, bit of context. Jesus has been doing ministry around Galilee and he started to set his face towards Jerusalem and the events of the crucifixion and the events of Easter. But he's also sent out his 12 disciples on mission. He sent them out to cast out demons, to heal the sick and to declare that the kingdom of God has come. And so the 12 go out, you know all about the 12, the mighty men of God. They come back and they talk about all the things that God has done through their works, all the mightiness of God. And then they come back, and Jesus goes, great. And he sends another lot out. And this is the group you don't know about. This is the 72. Now, the 72 are not the crew you know. We don't know as much about them. Here's what we do know. They're not the 12, by definition. Which means, though, they are not the creme de la creme of disciples. They are not the top rung of Jesus' disciples, if that's how we want to view the 12. Bear in mind, one of them was Judas. But they are not the top level of Jesus' disciples. We know that they're the level under. And for a lot of us here, maybe that's how we view ourselves as followers of Jesus. Like, yes, I have the belief, but I don't think I'm top of the class when it comes to following Jesus. I fall too much. I sin too much. I'm too broken. I can't do it. Jesus is saying, this is exactly the kind of person I'm looking for. And so the 72 are not the cream of the crop, but here's what they were. They were fighters. Fighters. We know this because in Luke chapter 9, just before this passage, Jesus has all these people coming to him and saying, hey, I want to follow you, Jesus, but kind of on my terms, like I'll follow you, but I need to be set up in an Airbnb and it needs to be, you know, kind of, I would like to have like a steady income stream, like a per DM each day, just to pay it out to me if that's okay. And Jesus is like, yeah, no, nah, probably not, bro. And so a whole bunch of his followers leave him, but the 72 do not. So they're not the cream of the crop but they're not flakes either. Somewhere in the middle are these resilient disciples who are just powering on and saying, I don't know how much is in me, but here's what I know. I'm still here. I'm still following and I'm here for whatever God's got for me. Amen. That's what they are like. So he takes these 72, these resilient disciples who have said, we choose Jesus when life gets hard. And we inherit that status from them. That's us. We're the 72, really. We ordinary Christians, we people of God, are called by Jesus to go out into the mission field. So the question now is, what is the mission field? Well, that's the what. And I want to talk about now the workers. The workers. See, Jesus in this passage is sending his people out two by two. He uses the buddy system, just like he did when you're in reception. They ask you to hold hands to cross the road and go down the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's using the buddy system. It's a safe mechanism. You can trust the buddy system. And Then he lets them know what they are about to do. He says, the harvest is abundant the harvest is abundant now if you're a farmer and you've got an abundant harvest you are cheering i assume i'm about as far from a farmer as you can probably get i'm more latte art than farmer but the, this this is you put a abundant harvest in front of a farmer they are cheering and so he puts that in front of the disciples he says but but the workers are few the harvest is abundant but the work is a few. Jesus is saying everything you need is right there, but the work is a few. Now, Jesus is saying this in first century Israel. He's saying it into a community of of people who are effectively believers in the Jewish God. They have a belief in God for the most part, and Jesus looks at them and says, wow, there's a big harvest here. Wow, there's a big mission field here. How much more today? How much more would he look out at us today, maybe in this very room, and say, there is a mission field here waiting to be reached, waiting to be connected? So let's just go into these two elements. The harvest is abundant, the workers are few. Because we can make this mistake as Christians sometimes and think that God has come just to give us a ticket to heaven when we die. That's half the story, sort of, maybe a bit less than half. Maybe the good half of the story, but we have a lot to do before that. Because God doesn't just give us a destination, he gives us a journey. He doesn't just give us a place to go. He gives us something to do with our life on the way there. There is something to do with your life and with mine. If you're in this room and you would call yourself a Christian, you are called to be a worker. But unfortunately, we can fall into the comfort trap as Christians, and we slip back from worker to attender, worker to attender. Now, what's the difference between an attender and a worker? I'll tell you. You ever been to a fast food joint and the person serving you is just full of contempt and self-loathing? They're just dead in the eyes and you're like, "What, what happened to you? Who hurt you? You know, they are just absolutely checked out. Or classic, maybe more so than fast food, you work in an office and there's just somebody just punching the clock. And they are doing the bare minimum to get by and it drives you up the wall. Now they're attending, they're present but are they working? No, they're the furthest thing from working. It's not working for them. It's not working for you. It's definitely not working for the company. You see the difference? There is a big, big difference between someone who is attending and someone who's working. Now, if, if you're thinking of that person, don't text them right now. I'll save that for later. Those people aren't workers. So and if we care, aren't careful, we fall into that trap as Christians. We attend, but we don't serve. We turn up, but we don't tithe. We log in, but we check out. Hi, online church. We consume, but we don't connect. These are the things we can fall into. Mark Clark, one of my favorite preachers, he's from Toronto. He says this, that if you don't give, don't serve, or don't join a life group at his church, you are a non-contributing zero. Now, I wouldn't say that, but Mark Clark says it, so I'm just repeating his words. (laughs) And I would add, drink our free coffee. It's, It's not that you can't do these things. Hear me, hear me, hear me. It's not that you can't do these things, but the Christian life is a battleship, not a cruise ship. We are actually preparing people for a task, not just putting them in comfy chairs and going, enjoy the ride. Because ultimately that dulls our senses to the highs and lows of reality, the beauty, the joy, and the grief, and the tragedy, the life that God has set before us and with the Holy Spirit to guide us and Christ before us as our beacon. This is what God has built us for. You have a purpose. And the reality is this. If we're going to be harvest workers, not attenders, this is the reality. I have found that if people can't do it on a Sunday, they can't do it on a Monday. They can't. So, so please don't come to me with your talk about, yes, but my whole of life is a mission. No, it should be. It should be. In fact, our next series is going to be about that. So come next week. But it's got to start here. It's got to start with your church family. You serve here, you begin here, then it, blo- then it rolls over and you begin to serve the world around you in a similar way. This is like Play, uh, the playground. It's like the training school. It's like a trade school for you to learn how to serve your family, how to serve your be- fellow believer where it's easy, and then you go outside and serve the unbelieving world where it is hard. That is how we go. Now, if you're here and you are not yet a Christian, or you are brand new to this church, it's okay. Simmer down. You do not have to do any of this. The free coffee is all for you. The reason we are serving is all for you. All of this stuff is so that you can feel a sense of home. In fact, some of you tonight, as I was praying, I just sent some of you have walked through the doors and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm home, I'm home. And if that's you, just please do fill out a Connect card. Don't leave this place disconnected. But if that's you, relax. We're not asking you to give us any money. We're not asking you to jump on team. What I am doing is flagging that if someday God taps you on the shoulder and says, this is your home, Slowly but surely, we'll be encouraging you to connect, not so you can build up the name of encounter, but because you will find less meaning in your life if you start to fade away from connection. If you're not plugged in in a Christian community, it will start to fade out out of the rest of your life. It is better for us. We were not meant to do life alone. From Genesis through to Revelation, we see it. That is the cry for us. And we want to teach you how to become workers. So if the harvest is so abundant... And the workers are so few. That tells us that the purpose of the harvest is to unearth more workers. That's the purpose of the harvest. It's not just to reap it and store it in a barn. That doesn't work. We've tried it as the church. We've tried just to store it all in a barn and hope that we naturally grow as followers of Jesus, but it hasn't been working. We have to go out and reach. So you begin life as the harvest, but the goal is to become the worker. That is your destiny in Christ. It's the purpose of your life. Please hear this again before I finish. God and his church are not here to take away your money and time, I promise. God has given his church to the world as a vehicle to discover and practice your purpose of serving the wider world, okay? This is the vehicle. This is the meaning of the church. So let's go to the third and big question. Great, how? How? How how do we manage all that? That's a very fair question. Because Jesus, you'll see, deeply encourages his disciples at this time. We get to verse 3, and he encourages them by letting them know the state of the environment they're in. Now go, he says. I'm sending you out like lamb among wolves. You'll be fine. (laughs) And he lets them go. Now, that doesn't seem that encouraging until you think about it. Because Jesus understands the context of our world, and he sends us anyway. Why does he do it? Why does he send us so boldly? How can he do it? Because Jesus is the Lamb of God. Jesus is the lamb who has been torn apart by the wolves of the world on the crucifix, on the cross. He has been torn apart for you and for me so that we might find life. So he's been among the wolves. He's taken the worst the world has to offer. And he says, I'm sending you anyway. This is where you need to be. Sometimes the place you need to be is not the place where you are most comfortable. Sometimes we are better off sitting in secondhand plastic chairs than we are sitting in those like Hoyts recliner armchairs. We are better off. We are more focused. We need to be where God wants us to be. And that is not about our comfort. It is about our call. It's about having a sense of purpose. The how of God's mission, church, the how of God's mission is not that you go out in your own strength. It's that you go out in power in the name of Jesus. Power in the name of Jesus. Not your strength, not my strength. Because even more than that, this is what Jesus says about how that power goes with us. Right, Because I get it. So far, you're going, okay, I just say Jesus' name three times and and click my heels and there's no place like home. I get it. I get it. This is what Jesus says about how the power goes with us. Verse five, whatever house you enter, first say peace to this household. If a person of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. Now, the peace of God, what is that? The peace of God is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the presence of God that lives in every Christian. God himself points to the harvest for you to look at. God himself sends you to the harvest, and God himself goes with you into the harvest. Nobody, when you are out doing the work of God, can take your peace from you. It might feel like, let me say that again, nobody can take the peace of God away from you. That's right. It can feel like it. We can certainly lose the peace of God, but nobody out there can just come and take it from us. Here's how I know this, because Dietrich Bonhoeffer and Corrie ten Boom and Nazi concentration camps had the peace of God among them. Because Jackie Pullinger in the slums of Hong Kong has the peace of God within her. Because Martin Luther King, as he faced down day after day after day of death threats, had the peace of God with him. And he still had a dream. That's the heart of God for us in mission. Lambs among wolves, yes, but right where we're meant to be and with the power and presence and authority of God in the name of Jesus. Amen? That's the name we go with So when we have those, we have all the power and authority we need, and all that leads us to the last thing we need, which is our why. Simon Sinek would say, I should start with why. I'm going to finish. Why is God sending us out at all? See, in your mission, the who, that's the ordinary followers of God. That's you and me. And the what is to turn the harvest into the workers, the lost into the found. The how is going out like sheep among wolves, but not alone, bringing with us the name of Jesus and the peace of the Holy Spirit. But the why, the why is the gospel. The why is the gospel. Gospel is an old English word and, and it simply means bearer of good news. That's what Jesus sends us to bring. We bring good news. So let me, let me be clear when I say that. It's not good advice. It's not good advice. It's not Jesus just going, hey, uh, I've got five top tips in being a healthy Christian. No, 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 no. No, no. Jesus is, is declaring something that has happened. This is not a suggestion, one among many religions. And it's not bad news or, or medium news. It's not something where we can go, oh, I'm not sure, this, this might be good news for others, but not for me. No, no, no. This is definitively good news for all people of great joy. Of great joy. Here's what that good news is. The crucified Jesus, God himself, has been raised from the dead, and he is the Lord of the world. That's good news for you and me, for the world. Here's what that news actually means. You've been reconciled back to God. See, there's this gap between you and God called sin. And it's been holding us apart from God. It is an eternal gap that could only be filled by a perfect human. And we talked about this a bit at Easter. The only one who could do it was Jesus. The only one who could do it. So the Son of God has come to reconcile you back to God and me. You have been forgiven from your sins. You've been rescued from your brokenness. Everywhere that you feel you are too far from God, you are only one Jesus away. You are only one encounter away. Only one turning, one prayer, one sense of hope, one reach out to say, God, I need you. But you are that one reach away. You need that one reach. See, friends, God sends us out not because he's trying to look for something for us to do until we get to heaven, but because he's always had a purpose for us. God has saved the world through what Jesus has done. And He's poured His mercy and He's poured His grace out on us. And He's just waiting for a waiting world to say, I'm here. Send me, God. I'm here. It's my turn. It's my time. I'm ready. I'm excited. I am here. I am called. I'm chosen. God has a plan and a purpose for everyone. But He's also got a plan and a purpose for you. For you. we just got to say yes. We've got to say yes. So here's where that comes to. It comes to verse nine and the end of all of this. Why are we doing all of this? What's the point? Jesus says this, heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. Heal the sick, tell them the kingdom of God has come near because when we bring this good news, the good news of the power of God, the peace of the Holy Spirit and the name of Jesus, we bring healing we bring transformation. We bring new life. We, bring, we see dead bodies rise. We see broken bones healed. We see mental health restored. We see emotional health healed in Jesus' name. We see people dramatically restored. And we also sometimes to see the patient slowly step-by-step journey of restoration. It doesn't always work the way we want. Tons of us in this room can attest to that. Tons of us can put our hand up and say, I follow Jesus and it's good, but it doesn't always go how I want it to. But it is always, always our responsibility and opportunity to turn our eyes towards Jesus and say, God, I'm sorry for the way that I've walked away from you, the way I've rebelled, the way I've broken this relationship we have. And I just want it. i want you again. I need you. Because if I go out and I do all this through my own energy, I'm exhausted and burned out and I don't have anything left in me. And if I don't do it at all, I'm tired and resentful and uncomfortable, yet somehow I'm still angry and tired and I don't understand why. But if I go and do all that you ask me to, which doesn't make any sense by the ways of this world, which doesn't seem like it's intuitive. It doesn't seem like there's a clear plan. But when I do what you've called me to do, somehow I find meaning and purpose, not because of the storm, but in the middle of the storm, despite the storm. You can be in the most stressful circumstance. And when the peace of God is with you, you won't lose it you will not lose it. That's the promise of God. You can be in the storm and still have Christ. You can get up and keep going and wonder how you have the strength because you have the power of God within you. Day after day, some of you are walking testimonies to this. Some of you have done this again and again. You guys are the warriors. You guys are the heroes of the faith I look to. And some of you have never done it yet. Some of you are are here for the very first time or you've been coming for a while We haven't yet made a decision. There's always been a bit of a gap between you and Jesus. Maybe it's an intellectual leap. Maybe it's an emotional one. Maybe it's it's something spiritual you can't quite define, but there's a gap. There is a gap between you and Jesus. Jesus has come close to you. All you need to do is say yes. Thanks so much for listening. I pray that you are able to hear from God in a fresh way today. We would love to hear from our listeners. To connect with us or to financially support the work of Encounter, please jump on our website, EncounterAdelaide.com.au. And if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to jump onto iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast provider and give us a rating and review. Or share this message on your social media accounts and tag us at Encounter Adelaide. God bless. Have an amazing week.